Thank you for listening to Voices of Grace. I am Ryan Peterson. I'm with the Communications Department at Grace Community Church. Uh, Our goal here with each and every episode is to profile followers of Jesus that are on mission in showing Jesus' love to others. And today, I'm very pleased to welcome Jeff Smith. Jeff attends our Grace Lindo campus, um, and he's doing some great things leading uh, the Grace Lindo Campus Prison Ministry. A couple things I want to talk about with that, but Jeff, first, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with me today. I- I'm really excited to talk with you about this. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, and um, we were just kind of talking before we started recording. You have a different background. You're not from Texas, so you're from Memphis, Tennessee. Kind of fill us in a little bit on your background, how you came to Texas, um, and where you're from and your family. Uh, actually born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and my brother moved to Dallas in 1980. I came to visit and uh, never left. Uh, I loved Dallas, Texas. It's pretty awesome. And your wife, Sheila, she is actually on the missions board. Is that correct? Yeah, Sheila is. Uh, she's very involved here at Grace. Uh, she's from Wisconsin okay. and moved to Texas as soon as she could, and she's been here since she was 18 years old. So you actually have, have, have excuse me have had success in the corporate world, and we were kind of talking before you were going to go into real estate, or that was kind of your goal. So kind of fill us in on that, and then what kind of changed your journey to end up here in East Texas? Um, after about, um, I would say, 25 years of the corporate world, I realized that I wanted to do something different, and real estate seemed like a good fit. And... During my 25 years, I spent a lot of time fishing Lake Fork, uh, riding my motorcycle in East Texas. So it was just, uh, and so when Sheila and I got married, we thought about buying a place in East Texas. And God did an amazing thing and moved us uh, within a six-month period, moved us to East Texas. So when did when did following or when did you first i guess start following Jesus and then or accept him as your savior and then when did it become like this is going to be my work that that I'm going to actually follow him and do the great work that you've been doing wow ryan um i'm not sure how much time we got but <laughs> i i started um following Jesus at 15 years old okay. and it lasted about a year and that's that's a testimony in itself uh, but at age 40 i met Sheila and uh, we were dating, and so I was really following her, and I followed her right into a church. Uh, it was Chuck Swindoll, and all of a sudden, I started hearing things for the first time, saved by grace through faith. Um, none of us measure up. We, we all fall short of the glory of God. So I, all of a sudden, I got my attention. Uh, it got my attention, but I was 40 years old at that point, and you know, at, at that point, it uh, for a couple of years, it was a Sunday thing. And then when we moved to East Texas, it became kind of a, um, a seven-day-a-week mission. Um, it became a lot more real. And so it took me a while, but I got there. So, and look, I think, thank you for being honest about that. I think that's a story with a lot of Christians where it sounds like it really went from it, it was a hobby to a way of life. Right. And how did that... I mean, how did your life transform, I guess, in that process? Like you said, going from a Sunday thing to seven days a week. Well, when we moved to East Texas in 2006, it took us a couple years of shopping churches, and we found Grace Lindell, and I think we'll get into the prison ministry, but Grace Lindell was always challenging as uh, being doers of the word and not just hearers. 
And so um, you and at that time I was putting a ranch together, so I had a, lo- a little bit more freedom to say yes to some things. And 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 again, um, Grace has always put that challenge out um, to be disciples who make disciples. And um, we fell right. Sheila and I both fell right into that. And you guys have actually been on mission trips. You've been to Kenya multiple times, I believe. Yes, um, and that's uh, um, I can tell you. I'm for most of my life. I'm a. Um, I'll pray about it, or I'm a ready aim fire guy. And so as I'm aiming, I paralyze. I don't do anything. So a big part of my testimony was saying yes to going to Kenya the first time. Um, it was not something I was really comfortable with. Uh, but it was one of the best things I've ever done to just see um, what missions like and and do and and in a nutshell, I tell people, for me to die to self, you go to Kenya, you you get several thousand miles away from home, I can die to self. Um, when I go to prison, I can die to self for the day. But when I'm at home on my own, it's hard. It's it's you know. It's, so was that? So was the trip to Kenya? I mean, was it like maybe kind of that first major hurdle that kind of maybe got you out of your comfort zone to feel more confident in doing that? Yes. Uh, one thing Grace taught me is to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And Very so, important. you know, when you spend 30 something hours going to and fro and you're in that type of environment, and we, we definitely do a lot in the short time we're there, seven to 10 days. Um, yeah, that, that taught me a lot about serving, and but it was always valuable. It was just an amazing thing to um, to serve, you know, with others at Grace, with my wife, um, and just to, you know, like Kenya, with the just to be uh, part of the Grist, that lighthouse um, situation that's been there like fifty years. It's right. it's amazing. So. You had mentioned the prison ministry. I really want to talk about that, and we could actually talk all day about that because uh, when you and I had lunch a couple weeks ago, some of the stories were just so moving. But how did you, as someone like you said, it was hard for you to even make that first mission trip. How did you get into this prison ministry? How did that come about? What was it that called your heart to that? And I think you hear prison, some people are going to kind of be like, oh man, I don't know, that seems kind of scary. How did you take that leap um, that I'm going to do this and it's become such a passion for you? Um, well, in 2008, when we found uh, Grace, it was our third Sunday to go. And I remember the road we were on. I remember the, the Sheila and I looking at each other. And we are equally yoked. It's a crazy thing. But we said, we got to serve. And whatever Grace brings to us, child care, it, it doesn't matter. We're going to serve. And... That that Sunday, um, we pull in there, and the pastor says, um, oh, before we get started, I want you to know there's a gentleman that goes to church here that's going to do this prison event called Day with Dads, and we're, they're going to meet on Tuesday night if anybody's interested. And, and so me and my wife look at each other, and we're like, that's what God put on our heart. And so that's what we did. And that, that Tuesday night, um, there was a guy named John Owens that went to our church for years, part of prison ministry for 30 plus years, uh, just seeing his passion and hearing the story. So we went, but it was a, um, it, it was scary. It, it's a, it's not the place you want to be. 
I, I thought I'd go there for other reasons. I'd get caught doing something, but I didn't think I'd ever volunteer to go to prison. And and um, it was it was amazing. So that's how it started. Okay, explain to people that aren't aware. I didn't even know that you guys had been doing this until several weeks ago. What do you got? What is Day with Dads? And what do you guys do, I guess, on the prison side? So um, fortunately, we're able, and until COVID, we were doing this event at several units. And the event really encompasses um, uh, offenders, dads, uh, anywhere from 25 to 50 of them. And they have to go through a process where they have to be case-free for like six months and and case free means good behavior pretty good, much basically right? good behavior and and it's crazy what a case how you can get that but so the we work with the chaplains at the units and they know these guys very well they vet them very well and then they bring um, those offenders they bring their families in they bring their kids and their wives or grandparents or whoever whomever the caregivers are and so when we get there that day, we go in with a trailer full of games. Um, we get pizzas delivered, and we set up. And when these uh, families come in, the dads will come in, and the party starts. Um, there's a lot of uh, celebration, hugging. Uh, but there's also a lot of uh, apprehension because their normal visits, they have to sit on, you know, they have to be very careful. They have to be on separate sides of the table. And um, so it takes a few minutes for everybody to get adjusted to the freedom they have there for the day. So there's a lot of hugging and stuff. But there's a lot of families. A lot of families stay connected, but a lot of these guys that we've met haven't seen their kids 5, 10, and 15 years. And so there's a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, times where they don't even, they can't even look each other. The kids don't know what to do. Uh, but the beautiful thing is, in most cases, by the end of the day, they're hugging and crying, and, and that reconciliation thing starts. So that's what we do. And again, we take games, which allows you know families to really connect. And, and we share Jesus throughout the day uh, in different ways. Um, we, we go around tables. We pray for them. Uh, we have a time at the end of the day where we have an open mic, and we've had kids come up and just really spill their hearts out to their dads or vice versa. The dads really either apologize or, or just really, and so it's, a, it's just a great time. Is there one thing, and there, I'm sure there's several things, but is there anything or one big thing that sticks out that surprised you? Um, about this ministry that maybe before you went that you were like, man, I, I didn't know it was going to do this to my heart. Well, um, the reality that we've, we met a bunch of families, and especially early on, and, and a lot of believers, guys that are, and so when you go in, they're so joyful, and they're families, and there's so much freedom in their spirit. And by the end of the day, you know, as you get to meet these people and you realize these guys are in for life, it just really was an eye-opener to see how they do life in that situation. But because of the their love for the Lord, there's such freedom, there's such joy. You know, um, I, I tell a lot of these uh, families I meet, I see more freedom and joy in their life than I do in people that are free, in the free world. Wow. So that really surprised me to see how faith is really... Um, you know, and you see the same thing in Kenya. You see the the situation where people really have to lean on the Lord 
man, it's just a special thing to witness. You know, it's it's hard for like myself that really have a lot going on. It's hard to really okay, you know, God's God's part of this. But those some of those people are put in situations to where, man, they really are connected to the Lord every day, every minute. How did this um, ministry and I'm sure, and the people that you have brought uh, with you, how has this changed perspective on looking at these men in the prison? Because I, I think a lot of times we kind of just write them off. Right. Um, you know, in the end, no matter what they've done, no matter how bad the crime is that they're in there for, they are still made in the image of God. They're Amen. still sons of God. Um, how has it how does it change your perspective when you when you see them as that and not as a criminal? You, you know, I, I just feel like that has to be a really powerful thing when you see these men as fathers and they love the Lord. And yes, they've made a mistake, but God still loves them. Yeah, we. Um, I can talk about my personal story, but right off the bat, I think about the people that have joined us in this ministry, the people that have dads, their own dads in prison the people that have their dads have done bad things, the people that um, really had put dads or, or prisoners in this box. So we've taken those type of people and not knowing their story, they shared their story afterwards. And exactly what you said, they saw these men's, uh, men as human beings, as people made in God's image. And to hear their testimony about how they've almost been able to forgive their own dad, it, it is it is like crazy, yeah. amazing. Um, and, and so for me, you know, I've, I've got a pretty, um, I don't know if I can say sex, drugs, and rock and roll in here, but um, I've got a past to where I know in certain situations I could have been there. And so I can connect with these guys. And, and especially when you become a believer and you know that the, the things are forgotten, things are forgiven, and you can move on, you know, like it talks about in Philippians. Uh, don't look past, just press forward, you know. Um, but for me personally, I can really connect um, with these guys, you know, because I, I just didn't get caught. I think one of the beautiful things, too, about this ministry is, you know, we all have um, a Heavenly Father, but in many in many cases, how someone, their connection or relationship with their earthly father can have a direct impact on their relationship or how they view their Heavenly Father. And even if it's just a short time on this afternoon, if these kids can be in the moment with their dad, see that he loves them, even though he's not going to be with them physically every day, but I would assume like you've seen some just mending of relationships and, and kids getting to feel that love even for a short time that they know that their dad here that God has given them does love them. The um, That's another amazing thing. And, and we, I guess we've been doing this 14 years. And one of the main things is that we encourage these guys to be dads. They're still dads. And kids are amazing. And like you said, just that we've done this two, three, four times a year at one unit. So the kids really get to spend that time. But we encourage the dads to be dads, pray for their kids, speak into them, write them. And it just, it, it, it is an amazing thing when these guys hear it and, and see when they really believe, you know what? I can move forward here. I can be a dad. 
fortunately, we've done a lot of units for several years, so we really get to know these families, um, even though it's just a day. But um, And we get to hear that encouragement, and we get to hear – because, um, like you said, the kids come into this thing and they're playing. They don't even they forget about the bob wire. Yeah. Um, we've seen kids where they'll they'll jump in their dad's lap and literally not leave that lap all day. Um, you know, we just yeah. But the impact on the on the on the dads and the kids, it, it's just an amazing thing. And and I can talk all day about the the wives that we see, um, the grandparents, the caregivers. Um, what they do, because not all of them stay married, but the ones that do, and you find out they've been in this situation for 10 years, it's just an amazing thing to witness. Um, just their, their loyalty, their love, their faith. It's a, it's a, it's amazing thing. So we've talked about day with dads also talk about the church services, um, that you guys do with the prison ministry. Yeah, we've um, a thing that we've done uh, along this um, day with dads is we get to do a church service. Um, because of COVID, some of that got shut down. We're just now in the last six months opening back up. We right now we currently go on the first Saturday um, of the month, and it, we get two hours. Um, the this is the pallet unit. My brother Alan and Keith go, and some some other guys, but they had their own worship team. And then, then they give us about an hour, an hour and a half to share. Uh, what's cool about this place is we've also got 30 minutes or so afterwards to hang out. So there's a lot of prayer requests. We get to hear a lot of kind of where they're at because their church was shut down too. And so they're kind of re-getting things back together. Uh, the chaplain there is an amazing guy, loves the Lord, uh, and he wants that church um, kind of a lot like grace he says the same things about discipleship and and so so we get to go in there and encourage and we get to share and since we get to really know these guys really well uh, we kind of know um, what they're dealing with their struggles and so the following month we can bring that kind of message um, discipleship discipleship's been huge and so our church going along those same lines um Hopefully Lewis won't listen to this, but I steal a lot of his material, and it's and it's good. It's good stuff. Um, when you are seeing these guys, and you start, I, I mean, it, at some point, amount of times that you're going in there, you have to start developing some real relationships. I mean, how does it become really difficult to leave these guys? Like you said, some of these guys are, I mean, are going to be in there forever. Yeah, the unit that we're in now is a maximum security. So, yeah, we're um, – but the unit I did most of my prison ministry was a transit transit unit. So a lot of guys that we met were gone the next month. Okay. Or their maximum was two years. So during that two-year period, especially guys that worked in the church or on the worship team, the relationships were awesome. And it, it was um, sometimes really hard to see guys leave. And a lot of times they weren't just getting out. They were going to other units. And um, so the unit that we were going to, it was also an amazing chaplain. And he created a, a special situation with the church there where they not only got people um, saved and baptized, but just really discipled them. And so guys really, and we would meet them at other units during different times. And they always missed um, uh, the gurney unit that because it had such a um, 
an amazing because Chaplain Grasty there just created this program for these guys. It wasn't just one and done. He really he really spent time with these guys. But yeah, to hear what you're saying, yeah, it's some of these guys. Uh, and there's you know because of Facebook the last few years. I've got to really kind of reconnect with some of these guys, and and a lot of them are doing great. That's awesome. Um, if someone, I mean, because I know you had even talked to me, because I was like, man, I, I want to see this myself, and you were encouraging that. If someone wants to take part in this, I mean, are you would do you welcome uh, anybody else that would want to maybe take part or, or kind of get involved with this ministry? Yeah, we. I say no to to nobody. Uh, we've had a. We've had times where we'll have, because um, there's a couple of churches in Dallas where people that left Grace that moved to Dallas, they brought some volunteers. So yeah, I definitely encourage it. But sometimes we've had more volunteers than we've had dads. Okay. And and I have and the chaplains are good with that, and I'm good with it because something we probably haven't talked too much about was, but what I what I've seen in me, what I've seen in my wife, what I've seen in others. When you start serving, and whether it's prison or Kenya or, or wherever, there's all of a sudden this boldness, this, this, you know, all of a sudden you're familiar with the unfamiliar. You're okay with not knowing everything. So uh, we want to bring as many. That's a huge part. We're, we're there for the dads and families, but we're also there for the, our church family and to give them that opportunity to, to walk into situations that – they're um, they have to kind of lean on their faith a little bit, and when you do that and it works out, all of a sudden you kind of grow a little bit on that. So yeah, that's such a contact Jeff Smith at uh, Grace Lindell, and we'll make it happen. Okay, and I'm really glad you said that because I think that's so powerful that you think about it. Well, we're going to help you know these inmates, but the reality is in taking that step, putting your faith in God. Like, it's just as important for you and those oh, yeah. that, that are making that visit. Oh, yeah. Well, Jeff, um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and again, you said, so just contact you. Um, how best to contact you if they would want to, if someone listening to this would want to get involved or learn more about the prison ministry? Um, you know, Matt Revanessi and Lindell, okay. he's kind of the guy I, I go through for a lot of stuff. Uh, amazing guy. Just contact Matt Revanessi. Okay. And, um, and he'll get it, he'll get it going. And I, I want to thank you for what you're doing with the prison ministry. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful and hearing these stories, um, again, children getting to spend time with their dads and, you know, we, we are called to love our neighbors ourselves. And mm. I mean, these guys are God's children and I just think it's beautiful. And, um, when Jesus came back, he wasn't, he wasn't hanging out with, uh, <laughs> You know, he wasn't hanging out with the, with the the perfect people, which there are none. But you know, right. he was going to the least of these and and helping those that really need it. And I just I love this ministry and thank you for what you're doing. You bet, no doubt. You you nailed it. Um, you visit them, you're visiting him. Yeah, as in Jesus. So that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. Uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, I am Ryan Peterson. This has been Voices of Grace. <laughs>